Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by Spartan Combat. They're hosting two tournaments in June. If you're in New York, check out Brawl at the Falls going down Saturday, June 18th. And if you're in Alabama, check out Rocket City Rumble going down June 30th through July 2nd. Go to SpartanCombat.com to register. Now let's get to the episode. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Welcome to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. Go to SpartanCombat.com to check out their June tournament schedule. This is your host, Ryan Warner, and in this episode, my brother Tanner interviews me to talk about a trip I took to Central America to record a couple interviews for an upcoming documentary. And things got sketchy down there, folks. Things popped off, and it was a wild 48 hours. We wanted to share the story with you folks here on this episode. So please enjoy it. A word of warning, foul language is used throughout. We've removed the names and locations for the safety of those involved. And that's it. I hope you enjoy it. Fan of the week goes to Ty Den, a Minnesota native, a lover of our most recent audio documentary, Escape from Inglewood. Ty, thank you so much for the support and for reaching out. We greatly appreciate it. And without further ado, folks, let's get to this episode. All right, Ryan, take us through it. Yep. So I'm headed to a country in Central America to record two interviews one with our main subject and one with the supporting character of the documentary that's going to be going live later this year. Did not realize how sketchy some of these countries are, and this story only shows, to f- shows that in detail. So leave the heartland of America, God City, Chicago IL, birthplace of the baby back ribs, 1 a.m. on Thursday. Get to this unknown country, yet to be named country. Four bags completely packed to gear. I have countless hours of prep work. Six weeks of prep work. I have, to your point, four bags, two cameras, multiple tripods, four <laughs> microphones, a gaggle of gear. I landed this country, one of the poorest countries in all of Central America, ran by a dictator. I land. I get through one checkpoint. No big deal. Second checkpoint. No big deal. I'm feeling good about myself. The third checkpoint I go through, I can see the outside. I'm like 20 feet away from my, from my contacts. They're picking me up from my fixer. 
I slide all my bags through the last scanning machine, and immediately they get flagged. <laughs> they get flagged. An airport worker who does not speak English comes over, takes my bags to customs. Which is what? It's a, it's a foldable table <laughs> in the corner of the airport. It's a table that collapses, completely foldable. They start to go through my bags. Now, I'm naive at this point. I don't know what, what they're looking at, what they're going for. All four of my bags not only gets flagged by the initial person, but customs ends up taking it. So they, I go to reach for the bags. They take them further away from me. And so through Google Translator, the airport <laughs> worker says, sir, your bags fall outside of normal travel luggage and cameras aren't permitted in this country. So now you have to speak to head of customs to get your stuff out. Now, keep in mind, I'm only in this country for 48 hours. Yep. I've flown all the way down there on my own dime to do two interviews that are both make or break to the story. Action-packed agenda. No r- wiggle room. No wiggle room. I'm in and out, going to do the thing. So I think, okay, no problem. I have a letter from my fixer that says I have permission to be there from the Wrestling Federation, but... They kind of be like landing at Washington D.C. and showing the head of customs that USA Wrestling said they could be there. <laughs> they don't give a fuck, bro. They don't care. They go, "That's nice." Show it to my boss. Yep. So I go to the customs office at the airport, which is n- literally the size of a closet, next to a car rental place, and they say, "There's absolutely no way you're getting your bags out tonight." And I can see them stowed back there, <laughs> and I'll have to see the head of customs tomorrow to get them out. So. I'm absolutely flatlined at this point. I'm shaking. They've taken my bags, all of my stuff. And now I don't even know if I'll be able to get the interview in. So to your point, the six weeks of research may be out the window. Right. So. Well, and they go, take what you can carry, right? Take what you can carry. Yeah. So my. What were your, what were your must have items? <laughs> the things I grabbed just out of pure panic and terror <laughs> were contacts and some notes that I had brought down. I didn't grab my toothbrush. I didn't grab any of my clothes because all my stuff is packed into these travel bags. Sure. I don't have like a clothes bag. So they let me, oh, and I grabbed my chargers. That's it, okay? So now I'm walking, this is like two hours later. My mom's texting me, how you doing? The lady's texting me, how we doing? And I'm, I'm being as brief as possible because I don't know what my situation's gonna be. Folks, on the back end, mom's calling us, calling me every hour, losing it about Freaking her son. Out. And I'm shrugging enough. I figure it's all good. Little, little I know. The reality is what's going on. So at this point, I think maybe they're going to arrest me. Maybe they're not. <laughs> and I come to find out in this country, the jails, they don't feed the inmates. If you want fed, you have, your family has to bring you food. So if I were to get arrested in this place, fucked. Fuck. God knows what would happen. So now it's like Thursday at 3 Supposed to be setting up for the first interview. I'm now driving back to the house with my fixer. As soon as you pull out of the airport in this country, there's insane poverty. A horse pulling a wagon through the road, motorcycles zipping in and out. It is, I had no idea where I was going. We got to pause. How low are you leaving the airport with your handful of contacts, a phone charger, and a toothbrush? How, where's your mental state? It's the lowest it's been. I'm debating every life choice I've made. I'm debating whether or not to do this documentary still. <laughs> and I'm thinking maybe they're just going to jack my stuff. For sure. Because they have four bags back there packed to the gills with the electronics. Tens of thousands of dollars a year. Easily. And don't know if I ever get it back. Yep. So at this point, I'm driving back to the house. I get back there, have dinner. 
go to bed. The next morning, I wake up at like five o'clock. The people I'm staying with sleep till like eight. So I have five to eight to just stew and <laughs> marinate and just freak out even more, spiral even more. Because at this point, not only do I not have my stuff, I have one day left to do the interview. And I don't have my return COVID test because yes. I was assured that it wasn't a big deal. Come to find out it is a big deal. So now I'm scrambling. The people I'm staying with wake up, take me to get the COVID test. That's not so bad. Now it's like 10 a.m. the next day. Hold on. Remember, it was by appointment only. There's only one place to do it in this entire country. <laughs> yeah. He didn't have an appointment. Shocker. So he's trying to make an appointment day of. Of course they don't have any. They also say you must deposit X amount of dollars into this unknown bank account. And he has the money, obviously. But so Ryan ends up just going to the place without an appointment with the cash in hand, basically demanding the test. Ends up getting it negative. All good. So now we're, we're rolling on. Now, now we're, we're Friday. Now we're getting a little bit of momentum. I feel good knowing that I'll be able to leave the next day when I wanted to leave. Otherwise, I was going <laughs> to have to stay there an extra day. Get a whole new ticket would have been a disaster. Yep. So now I've been there. Got there at 3 p.m. the day before. Now it's 10 a.m. the next day. We head to the airport, thinking that maybe somehow head of customs has emailed the airport and said, let this guy's bags go. This is a mistake. Total mistake. We get to the airport. Now my fixer goes into sales mode, and he goes to the lady at the airport and says, can we get the guy's bags out? She goes, no. You have to go talk to the head of customs. And he goes, listen, this individual comes down here to film a documentary about our local wrestling team, about all the kids who are in it, Obviously, we're not there to do that. We're there to film a documentary about the guy who defected from Iran. Right. <laughs> and he's spinning this, this amazing story. He's weaving me in. And granted, they're speaking Spanish. I don't right. know a word of what they're saying. Right. I'm just sitting there. They're going back and forth. It sounds like this symphony of just people going back and forth. <laughs> I keep looking over to him. Is it good or is it bad? We leave there. And basically, they're like, go see the head of customs. So now we go to the government building, which... I'm like, how are we going to get a meeting with this lady? <laughs> we go to the government building, meet with the person's assistant, and this guy couldn't be cooler. He's like giving, giving us good vibes. He's like, let me look into it. He, my fixer tells the same story again to this guy, and he's like, what kind of hospitality is this? He's down here to promote our wrestling team. You're confiscating his stuff. Totally unacceptable. So this is the... <clears throat> so vibes are high again. Well, not yet, because he's spinning this story. The assistant goes back, comes back, big smile on his face. He goes, listen, you're going to be able to get your stuff back. Assuming his jobs check out, you're good to go. And so basically they were looking to see, did I work for like a news media company? Right. And I was there to report on like how bad the government is in poverty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I write down where I work. On a piece of paper. Piece of paper. Piece of ripped up paper. I write, (laughs) beat the streets, Chicago. Yes, sir. (laughs) Shout out Mike Powell. And wrestling changed my life. So I'm like, one of those two has got to hit. Now, but then I'm thinking, why did I write two jobs? I haven't worked at Beat the Streets ever. Never. I've been on the board briefly. Like, yep. I don't know why I put that as my job. Right. So just panic. Pure panic. So I write it down. He goes, it's not going to be a problem. We're slap hugging. We're kissing. I'm giving him hugs. We're like, <laughs> we're screaming. I'm feeling good. He's like, all right, head of customs will call you in 30 minutes and you'll be able to get your bags. So at this point in the day, it's noon, feeling good, a little backed up, but I can still get everything in. My fixer at this point has yet to be paid for his personal ventures. I don't know what he's doing, but he hasn't been paid. So while we're driving back to his house to feed the dogs, he gets paid. We stop in. He goes to the ATM. Everyone's feeling very good about the day. All right. We get back to the house about 1230. Now, he's feeding the dogs. While we're waiting there, 
We're waiting. Um, I know that we're waiting for the landscapers essentially to come by and get paid for the day, the work they did the day prior. <laughs> so I see a guy pull up on a motorcycle. I think that's the landscaper. I invite him in. Turns out it was a total stranger and he was coming by to, to get a look at the house, basically to case it, is my, my view. He asked the fixer, hey, is your house for rent? He's like, no, people live here. He's like, well, can I see around? And he's like, no, people live here. So this guy leaves. So folks, Ryan, American and then just in a foreign country, poverty stricken, strolling the gardens, see someone pull up on a motorcycle, opens the gates Waves for him. him up. Waves <laughs> him up. Come on in, take a look around. Five minutes later... Another guy comes to the gate, and I don't let him in this time. <laughs> I give Told him my best once. hola, amigo. <laughs> and you know, I get the fixer down there. I go, hey, this might be your guy. Turns out this was a friend of the landscapers who heard that the fixer owed the landscaper money, comes by to collect, and was getting ready to rob his friend and says, mm-hmm. hey, I'm here on behalf of so-and-so. So this is all within five minutes. Two random people come up, both trying to pull one over on us. All while waiting to... Get your gear back to do your job that you're there for. It's, that's it. Just going down there to talk <laughs> some wrestling, do some interviews. We head now. So now we're getting ready to go back to the airport. We decide to grab a little celebratory lunch. Mm-hmm. We grab lunch. We're feeling good. Get a couple steaks, a couple ribeyes. Go back to the airport. Because now it's been three hours and we haven't heard from the government. And so we're thinking maybe they forgot to call us or maybe they just emailed the airport directly to let our bags out. Sure. We're, ho- we're thinking. Sure. We're hopeful thinking. It's always a good email address for the airport. Because they, they promised us 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. No. Nope. So we go back to the airport. Now it's like 3.30, and I fly out at noon the next day. So we're down to 21 hours. 21 hours. Two interviews. At this point, have you scrapped one of the interviews in your mind? In my mind, not yet, but I'm getting close. Because there's also a lot of B-roll to shoot as well. Sure. Outside of the interview. Mm -hmm. So get back to the airport, 3, 3.30. We wait another 45 minutes. I just, (laughs) again, listening to a cacophony of Spanish, just (laughs) bings and booms and bites. It sounds great. I wish I understood it. Yeah. Thinking back to freshman freshman high school, Miss Logutache, Spanish class. I remember a couple words. But I'm sitting there, 45 minutes goes by. And there was they, never a teacher at our school by the name of Miss Logutache. What was it? Miss Logutache. And she, <laughs> she saw me writing the answers to the test on my hand. And she sent me to the office. I'll never forget this lady. <laughs> Horrible. I felt the same stomach drop that day in freshman year Spanish as I did when they took my bags. <laughs> so He's had a tough life, folks. Tough life. <laughs> so I get... Airport 3.30, 45 minutes, and they now it's like 4.30, and they basically say, not basically, they said, we haven't heard from her. You're not going to get your stuff back. And so I'm rock bottom Back to the valley. Rock bottom again. And I'm thinking, okay, worst case scenario, I'm not going to do any of the interviews. The documentary, totally up in the air. I don't know if I can tell it. Can't. It'd be like doing the Escape from Ingle with Tony Davis documentary without T.J. Williams in it. Pivotal part, must have it to do this documentary. Gotta have it. And so one of the guys down there is this crucial role. Mm-hmm. So I'm, now I'm back to spiraling. I'm thinking, what, am I, what are my life choices? Am I going to do this documentary? All the work I've spent on it, all the money I've spent, it's all just weighing on me. And, but now I think, okay, on my flight out tomorrow morning, are they going to give me my stuff on my return flight? Right. Or are they going to keep it forever? Yeah. They assure me that I'll be able to get it out on my return flight. What's your gut telling you? you never seen it again? My gut tells me they probably will, but now I'm just sad that I'm excited about getting my stuff back. 
That's a win at this point. Because <laughs> <laughs> like the progression was, when I land at the airport, they take it. All right, I'll get it back in five minutes. You know, then they then they twenty four hours later. Then yeah, then they take it to the custom office. I'm like, all right, maybe I'll never get it back, but I can still do two interviews. Now at this point. I scrapped all interviews in my head. I don't know what's going to go with the home. document. I just want to go home. <laughs> I just want America. I want to kiss it. I want to wave a couple of flags, eat some cheeseburgers, definitely eat some Lou Malnati's. Come on. So we Also, Lou Malnati's. Let's get a sponsorship, huh? Easy. Let's get Christ. a sponsorship. How many freaking pizzas do I have to eat? Kid orders a large every Friday, religiously. I, eat a, I order a Caesar. I've never even eaten the Caesar. I just do it out of courtesy. <laughs> so... Now it's like 4.45 p.m., leaving the airport, rock bottom, get in the car, take yet another harrowing drive through the streets of this country. So again, just recap, 25 hours, still don't have your stuff, no, at this point, there's no documentary. No documentary. It's over. The interviews are shot. I've basically flown down there on my own dime. To drive back and forth. Back and forth. Two-day trip for nothing. Yep. We're five minutes out from the airport. We've been in the car five minutes. We get a call. It's the government. We can get our stuff back. So do you think, and you get it back, right? You think they're fucking with us? That's what I'm asking. I, we thought that. We thought they were messing with us. Like, yeah. Let's have these fuckers drive around a little bit. Yeah. So that's what we're thinking. We go back. I hug the lady. <laughs> I'm, at this point, they know me all by first name now in this office. Same people. There's only like three desks in there, and they all work apparently around the clock because they're always there. <laughs> So we go back. I get the four bags. I hug them. We get a picture taken with me and my bags. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> so now we load up this tiny car with all four of my bags packed to the roof. And it's like 45-minute drive to get back to the house. Mm-hmm. We're about to hit rush hour in a place that doesn't have stoplights. Right? So you can imagine. So to get avoid rush hour, we're driving like maniacs to get back to the house. And the, this country is so poor that the cops don't have cars. So the cops stand in the medians in the middle of the road. If they see a traffic violation, they jump out in front of your car on foot, put their hands up, and pull you over by hand. Sure. And so we're driving. We pass the guy in an intersection. Sure enough, they see us. The cop jumps out, puts his hands in front of us, flags us to the side. So I've had my gear for about two minutes. We're on cloud nine. Now we're, we're not at rock bottom, but... You're approaching. We're, we're getting into purgatory again because <laughs> cameras are legal. We got a car full of cameras. They don't know what deal we made at the airport. They don't talk to them. No. no. So they pull us over, and the whole stop is five minutes. Really? Okay. Whole stop's five minutes. <laughs> again, all Spanish. I'm seeing the fixer of my car reach for an ID reach for some money. I'm thinking, okay, we're going to pay him off. We'll be good. As we're sitting there, <laughs> come to find out that the fixer has told the cop, amigo, we're police officers. We're going to the local police academy to film some training. Look at all the gear in the back of our car. I see the cop look back at the gear, and I'm thinking, he's getting ready to take it. It's his now. It's his now. So, so your fixer of all things goes... Let's lie to the police. We, we haven't had enough trouble. Let's lie to the police. Let's say we're about, we are him. We are cops. And we're going to do a documentary on it. All they had to do, all the cop would have had to do is go back to his buddy, call in the plates, or even just talk to his buddy. Are there any cops that are not in a uniform driving around going to do an interview? It is one white American. Right. Some <laughs> white dude going down there. So at this point, now we're lying to police officers. Oh, yeah. With illegal stuff in the car. And... 
I would think they can arrest you over that. Seems like it. They think they could. And again, folks, jails in this country, if you want to eat, your family has to bring you food. Ryan's family is in America. They don't have a clue what's going Ryan on. Ryan is not getting a meal, is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, no, absolutely not. And I wouldn't even if they served it to him. I would have starved it out. Oh, yeah. So the cop, after hearing all this, this is within minutes. He doesn't go back to his little post by the tree, nothing. You know, he doesn't have a car to go back to. He doesn't go back to his tree, nothing. He stands by the car, looks at the gear one more time, salutes us, and lets us go. Unbelievable. As we're driving, the fixer is laughing like a hyena, <laughs> looks at me and tells me everything he just told him. He's like, bro, I told him we were cops. We're going to film this. And I'm like, why were you showing him a California ID? He's like, it's a paper ID. It was a piece of paper. It was like a picture of a California ID that he had laminated. So this is all just, this is happening. And I'm like, I'm so excited about getting the gear back. And the story is so badass. I'm like, yeah. okay. But then we're like driving away. And I'm like, what would have happened if oh. he would have... If he would have asked anything, any real questions. So at this point. Or followed us to the cop shop. Could you imagine if he followed us to the police said, yeah, station? I'll, I'll see you there. Yeah, I'll follow you there. <laughs> and we pull in there and, oh my God. Right to the jail. So. Right to the jail. So th- that's one of the craziest parts about this. Crazy. I, I know it took five minutes out of this entire thing, but once he told you that, were you laughing? Were you, where, where were you at? I'm crying while laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Again, get me home. Get me home. I'm thinking, okay, like as we're in the car, I got 45 minutes to get to the house. I'm like in my head rearranging, okay, I'm supposed to do two interviews. Each one's two hours plus about an hour of B-roll per person. So we're looking at six hours of filming. Just not possible. Not possible. Something. Yep. All right. We're going to go with the only interview I can't get anywhere else, which is the guy who lives there yep. in this country. And he's like the TJ Williams, this, this like the main supporting character. Yep. So get back to the house set up all the shit that takes about an hour sit down to do the interview interview goes great about an hour and a half interview ends we grab dinner and then as we're eating dinner he's like hey you didn't ask me about this this or this which was a very controversial period of this person's life and when you listen to the documentary you'll know why so i'm like i would love to talk about that didn't know you wanted to yeah okay because basically after this person defected from iran when he called home to tell his parents, his dad told him that he was going to have him killed. Let's just say defecting might have been the easiest part of it. Easiest part by a long shot. I so, mean. And then after this person gets to the U.S. Exactly. That's what I mean. They get arrested mm-hmm. by Set the LAPD, up. falsely imprisoned. They're found not guilty, but then they sue the LAPD and win several million dollars. Okay. Talk about the, the emotions that yeah. the subject. Yeah. So on this second interview, now it's like 1030. I'm fried. Absolutely <laughs> just frazzled. <laughs> Smoke's just stewing from my head. And we just ate a big meal, and this person wants to talk about some very painful memories. So mm-hmm. I'm like, Absol- I'm so 100%. excited. I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. We sit down. We're about 45 minutes in, and he gets to the heart of the matter, the belly of the beast, just the, the darkest layer of the layer. Ugh. And he's so traumatized about this memory that he begins to faint during the interview. And at first, he's like kind of leaning forward, closing his eyes. And I'm thinking, How maybe many years later are we talking here? Since the incident happened? Yeah. 30? 30. 30 years 30 later, plus. folks. It's still that real in this guy's mind where he's telling the story. And once you hear it, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. 
The man faints in 2022 from the trauma he went through. Yeah. When we tell you the defection was the quote-unquote easiest part, in all honesty, it might have been. And when I say someone defected, do you know what that means or is it confusing, the word defect? I assume it means leaving a place where you're not supposed to leave. Right. So I was telling a couple of people in Chicago about this. They're like, I don't know what defect means. So defecting means that, yeah, exactly. Like you can't defect from the U.S. Because right. you, you could just leave. You just leave. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, basically. Um, yeah, exactly. So this person's telling this story. They begin to faint. And I'm sitting right across from the person. And this has never happened to me ever. <laughs> and you figure I've done 350 episodes on the pod plus another 80 for audio docs. Almost 450 interviews I've done. No one's ever fallen asleep or I think they're falling asleep. Come to find out they're fainting. Yeah, he didn't fall asleep. So, no. So, within the first second, leaning forward, eyes closed. Then I, the, I realize the person's going. Leans forward and I have to catch him. Person wakes up and they're like, oh, my God. I thought I was, I thought I was back in jail. I thought I was like. Back in the courthouse. Back in the courthouse. I'm like, holy shit. Like, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, no problem, dog. And, Dude. you know, we try to like, it is an amazing interview and we did wrap up well, but afterwards I'm like, what the hell? Like, I hope I didn't just put this guy back on the wagon or something, <laughs> you know, like I'm digging up these stories. So to be fair, he asked, he asked and I'm glad he did because it's going to make the oh my documentary God. awesome. Yeah. So, so that's after, it. You wrap up the interview. You, so you wrap call up the, the one, interview. Yeah. yeah. Cancel the one interview. Wrap up that interview. Say so it's midnight. It's now, it is like, it's like 1130. And as I'm like packing up all the stuff, which takes about an hour, he's starting to tell me, he's like, dude, I totally passed out. I didn't realize I was going out of it. I thought mentally I was back in the courtroom. I didn't know what was going on. So then, then I'm kind of feeling bad a little bit. You sure. Know? But basically. Folks, this guy went through hell. Went through hell. So this guy goes to bed. I go back up to the room, back up all the stuff. By the time I'm backing everything up. Multiple places. I had it in mul- Yeah, because. In the back of my mind, I still got to go through the hell of this airport For to sure. get out. For sure. So I back up the recordings in like three different spots. Now it's like two in the morning. I fall asleep. and Flights when? Flights at noon. Okay. I tell them it's at 11. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually at 1240. It was at, so nice. I said noon. Yeah. Nice. Get to the airport. Surprisingly smooth going through. Okay. Wow. I transfer. In another country. At Mexico City, yeah. Yep. So I get through the at at this country in Central America. I get through airport security, and I got two hours before my flight. Was the same people working when you're departing? Not that the same customs lady was. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and she gave me a final salute. <laughs> but I get through. Now I'm at the airport. I'm like the only one at the airport. Starting to put down a couple Coronas, a couple Pacificos. You're close to home. I can taste it. I can smell it. You throw a Except for there. the 12 hours of flights I'm about to endure. Okay. <laughs> So, get on the flight, get to Mexico City, transferring back to Chicago O'Hare. Get to Mexico City. Too many, the, the, all of the terminals or all the gates are full, so the plane docks in the middle of the airfield. We walk down steps, get on a bus. They take us to customs. We got to go through customs and then back through the Mexican TSA again. So, I'm now in front of the Mexico City airport. It's like 5 o'clock on a Saturday, <laughs> and I'm getting ready to go through Mexican TSA. I go through it, and on the way down, they gave me a pretty hard time about my bag, just because they're not used to that many cameras, that many batteries. I'm like, why does it matter? What's in the bag? Right. So, but it, I'm, but it, I'm. It's a bomb or not? It's not. It's not. Yeah. I'm, pre- but I'm preparing for hell. Mm-hmm. I go through Mexican TSA again. 
flagged. I'm like, fuck. So, okay. <laughs> Jesus. I'm like, all right. Where's your mental state when it gets flagged? Where do you go? Did you go right back to? No, I'm expecting it. I'm expecting it. Because on the way, because there's a very specific rule on lithium batteries, how big you can be to bring them on. Because you can't check them and they, they can't be above a certain size. Okay. Well, the ones I got are massive because they're like six hours life. And each one's a couple hundred bucks. But below the threshold. Barely. By like a volt. <laughs> <laughs> like a volt. So I go through the uh, Mexican TSA. They flag my bag. And every whistle I hear at this point, I'm sweating. I'm shaking. Still no English. None. You, I just assume that some of the Everywhere major airports go. would. And that's just typical American ignorance. Like, I, I thought the same. But so they don't. So they open the bag, go through the cameras, no big deal. Go through the batteries. They're looking at them very specifically. And if they take the batteries, there's about a thousand bucks we're out, right? So I'm like kind of getting worried because <laughs> like the battery scan was like 10 minutes. Right. So they put the batteries back in. Now in my backpack on the side, I have like a big pole that's connected to it that extends out to a boom pole. Right. This thing has gone through every TSA since the Smiths onward. Okay, it's never been an issue. Wasn't an issue going through Mexican TSA. Sure wasn't. On the way back, now it's a whole committee of people. <laughs> like four or five, like they're flagging people over. And yeah. I have a picture of a Hollywood set where someone's holding a boom pole and I'm like showing them the picture. And they're, now they're taking my phone, passing it around, showing their friends about it. And they're all like, ah, yes, see, see. So I'm like, good to go. They're like, oh no, this is a dangerous object for you to take it on board. You either have to go through TSA all over again, or you'll have to check it. What would that prove going through the same TSA again? Because well, then I, could, I would have to go out and check it, then come through again. Yeah, and I've already made it through. Good done. And I go, just keep it. And so I <laughs> surrender, and it's a casualty. <laughs> Rest in peace, boom, boom. R.I.P. It's still there. Who knows where it's at right now no, at this it's point? It's stripped. stripped and sold for parts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Get through TSA, grab a bite to eat. Get on the plane. I end up getting back to Chicago about 1 a.m. How good did that first breath of Chicago oh, air Oh, God. I came out, and I have, like, one more check to go. It's Chicago Customs. Because I'm, whatever it is, global clearance. What was it called? Because I asked the Mexican airport, I'm like, do you have um, global, it's called global entry. It's the TSA pre, but for international. Okay. Not all international airports do it. Okay. So I'm getting through the Mexican customs. I'm like, do you have global entry? He laughed at me. Hey, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Get so get back to Chicago, go through global entry. The whole thing takes five seconds. I walk out. I don't even want to wait for an Uber. I go to the taxi stand, hail a taxi, and I literally got down and kissed the, the great grunt of Chicago. <laughs> It's one o'clock. I get home, order some Chinese, put a documentary on. Now I'm back in the happy place. Go to sleep about two thirty. The next day, I saw you and told you the story. But that's the that all took place within two days, folks. This was forty eight hours. This is how committed the man is to this documentary and in the sport, which it's it's admirable. But forty eight hours of pure hell. I mean, pure hell. The be- worst between getting quote unquote rob between maybe not getting a COVID back uh, shot to come um, come back come back. Then getting a jacked at TSA and then back two oh. two days. That's a weekend. Two days and like some of the funny parts of that when I first landed at this airport, when I'm at the custom desk, when they're still scanning my stuff, I'm thinking I'm, I can see the guy who's picking me up. I'm waving to him through the window. I, I'm hoping like that'll get me some You're sympathy there. with the customs lady. I'm like, oh hey, you know. Yeah. I show them the letter from the Federation, and she goes, show it to my boss. Crinkled up, throw it in the trash. And this is all through. Google Translator on the phone. Right. 
And so I go, why is my stuff being held here? And you know, she explains why. And she's like, sign this form. I'm like, I'm not signing anything. And she's like, sign it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then she's like, uh, she's like, do you want to get anything out of your bags? I'm like, oh, I'm not leaving my bags. She's like, okay. They take the bags. Listen, Ryan. They weigh them. I'm like, why are they weighing them? And someone's like, so if someone takes something out, they'll know. I'm like, oh, God. I see them wheeling it off, and I'm just like standing there. I text my mom, landed safely. <laughs> what'd, oh. you, what'd you sign away there when you signed that piece Couldn't of paper? Couldn't even tell you. Don't <laughs> even know. And they go, I'm like, where's my receipt of like, you take all my stuff? They gave me a paper card, and that was it. If I lost that, I was done. And I'm prone to losing things. I actually had lost my uh, COVID vaccination card on the flight down there. So, Makes sense. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the, whole, the whole kit and caboodle. What was supposed to be two days of filming, endless time for B-roll. Sightseeing. Sight- oh, we're going to go to the volcano. Oh, yeah. Is even going to do maybe a third interview with them together? Sure. I'm getting fancy. Sure. As I'm flying down there, actually, I'm freaking out. Not freaking out, but I'm stressing like, all right. How am I going to do the setup for this third interview? I was so confident that the first two interviews were going to go so well that... You're, you're tagging one on. I'm getting a third one. And I'm like <laughs> stressing over that. Come to find out, certainly didn't do a third, didn't do a second. I did one. So I flew down there. An amazing one. It was really good. Really yeah. good. Really, really, really good. And yeah, the flight I mean, down was 16 hours. Flight back was 12. And the interview was two and a half hours. So... Here you go. But that's it, man. Had to get on here and tell it. It's some of the... Yeah, every documentary there's a hiccup, not as big as this. Some are bigger than others. This is this is a burp. This I mean. is a this is a big one. <laughs> this is a big one, and yeah. I'm glad we could come on here and share it because it's a it's a tale. Yeah, that uh, you thought was was audience. I just when you told me it, I was slack jawed. I mean, I, I, I everyone anyone who knows me knows I can't shut up. I didn't speak for 45 minutes. I just let him go. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Couldn't believe he, I was so glad he made it back. I, I mean, I did, I didn't think. I had no concern about any of this ever. And then when you got back and told me all of it, I'm like, oh, well, this makes sense. It's a third world country. I mean, yeah, of course there's going to be some hiccups. But in the planning and the whole time you're down there, I'm like, he's crushing it. He's kicking back Corona. He's on a mule going to see a volcano. Let's go. Come on. Living. But yeah, folks, I just, I hope you get value out of it. I hope you liked it. It was just too good not to share. So, And I'll just say this documentary initially was going to only do a short film. So a 16-minute short film, my first one, was going to go live on the Wrestling Changed My Life YouTube. That's still the case. But when I looked at all the travel, there's a lot of international travel for this story. I'm like, I got to do something else to get more bang for the buck. So I'm also doing an audio documentary. Hell yeah. So the first thing that the listeners will see is the audio documentary and then the short film either later or we'll hold the audio documentary to go live with the short film. Not sure. But bottom line, there'll be an audio documentary on this Iranian story and a short film and uh yeah it should be awesome crazy not story gonna miss it crazy story thanks for thanks for the reverse interview appreciate it boss let's go baby awesome thank I you very can. much thank you for listening to wrestling changed my life presented by spartan combat if you enjoyed this episode leave us a five-star review if you want to follow us on social media go to instagram at wrestling changed my life and on twitter at wcml podcast Wrestling Changed My Life is proudly presented by Spartan Combat. Go to SpartanCombat.com to support this episode.